you know, those are the ones that we've talked about them before. They're quiet, mm -hmm. just doing and whatnot. But generally, it's totally autogynephilia, where they get off on the idea of them being a woman, you know? <clears throat> I, wonder, uh, is there, I wonder if there were studies or anything like, like what the percentages of straight people who do this are. There are, and I, I, there are, and I can get them for you. There, it's pretty yeah. interesting because, like, it's upwards of eighty something percent of male, male identified or male trans identified people are heterosexual. They still have sexual relations with women. Some of them call themselves lesbians. Cool, now, man. Insane. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty progressive. It's kind of funny because we are officially live, by the way. Internet. I kind of like the, you know, coming in with in mid conversation, you know, making, uh, bringing us in, you know, bringing people into the conversation instead of just randomly starting at nothing and just finding stuff to be pissed off about and then going from there. Right. <laughs> give the give the people just a chance to see that we we actually do enjoy having conversation with one another. Sorry, I didn't mean to take you off off your train of thought. No, no. Uh, so we were talking about the women who transition are eighty percent straight. No, 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 men, men, who men transition who transition into women. Men. Yep, they 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 generally identify in overwhelming numbers as well. They would normally be heterosexual because they're still having sex with women. They're not having sex with men. They're not. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to get like too graphic, but is there intercourse going on? Like, do they what is, have their male? Parts? There are some articles out there that are so disgusting. They're like, how to have oral sex with a trans woman. It's like, okay, blowjob 101. You know, and it's horrible. It's like this is not a vagina. You're not <laughs> doing anything that heterosexual people don't do. Right. <laughs> you know. And Chris, let me know if you get any complaints from your friends about you not sounding good. Just, just let me know if you're getting any messages from friends or anything about you not sounding well, sounding good. Okay, it usually comes a couple hours after the show, but okay. Well, okay. But um, so what about women who transition into men? about those numbers um we don't know uh, there is not a whole bunch out about women because the focus is so much on the men who transition to it's always about men women yeah. appearance it's it's astounding that's the focus in general like with activism with everything you know the, the largest thing you hear about is trans women are women and their issues and i feel left out of reproductive justice because i don't have a uterus <laughs> You know what happened though. There's no surgery to give you working uterus. Right. However, that's also not true. Stop it. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's just a recent study put out about um, so taking the uteruses from women who are transitioning to men in order to transplant them into men who want to become women. Now we've already seen transplants happen in natal women and um, <clears throat> after that uterus gets used to grow a baby, 
that uterus necrotizes and they have to take it out. So, I mean, if it doesn't stay in a natal woman, I don't understand why anybody would think that the biology that doesn't naturally support a uterus would somehow not reject that organ. So, I mean, it's... it's well, that would make my entire article that I wrote about guys not having periods, that would just tear that to shreds. But where are they going to, like, how are they going to, they can't, they still can't, though, because they don't have the biomechanics. Yeah, they don't have the little signals in the brain and stuff to get it going. They don't. They don't have the hormonal signals or anything. Their brain is not naturally producing these chemicals in their body, so it just, it can't happen. It won't happen. But it's just this delusion that it will, and it's entirely crazy. So you don't think that it's possible that there'll ever be a male, a, a, a person born male who will become pregnant? No. Okay. So then the point of getting these uterus, ut, uteri? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Um, the point of getting a uterus implanted in you is what? For pride? Cause yeah. I mean, totally. Okay. That's totally what it is. That's the only reason why. Because if it's not the part, so here's the refrain we hear often. Well, your parts don't make you a woman or a man. Okay, well then why do you need the surgery? Exactly. Why do you need to put breast implants yeah. in your body? There's why do you need many to contradictions about this. Right. There are so many contradictions. And it's just I mean, if the parts don't matter, then your body's fine. And you don't need to change it. So fix your argument. I mean, all we hear from the left these days is how white men are the downfall of love, you know, or, or passion. So well, either we're becoming white men, you know what I mean? Like, that's a contradiction. Right. That's why we don't hear a lot out of them, too, because now they're told by the progressive left, okay, well, you're a man now, so you get to be quiet. So what are we doing? We're silencing women even more, you know, so, in the so feminist weird. framework. So weird. It's all crazy. And uh, like I said, I, I, I don't remember if I said it in a previous show or just talking to you guys, but it seems like transgenderism effectively makes feminism a moot point. There's no point in standing up for women's rights and literally anybody can do it. Right. That's so, what feminists have been saying. They have been saying that. That's good. I'm good. But I'm sure a lot of them aren't. Like, how do, how, do they, right. how do they reconcile that with themselves? Because, you know, accepting transgenderism is a very liberal point of view. And, I mean, 97-something percent of, of feminists are liberals, are they not? So how do they reconcile that with Right. Well, I wouldn't say 97% are because we've got women like Christina Hoff Summers or myself who ordinarily we would be called feminists, but yeah. we don't attach that label to ourselves necessarily because feminism has gone off the rails. Because you're not aborting your kids. Right. We're not aborting our children. We're not abandoning our sons. We're not, you know. Um, so, femi so feminists reconcile it that, you know, it's, it's all identity politics, really. It's well, if anybody says that they're a woman, they're a woman, and thereby they're, they are oppressed. Well, 
that's not how the world really works. And, you know, the radical feminist angle says, okay, well, if we look at the socialization of women, women are socialized to be more caring and more nurturing. I, I agree and disagree with that. Um, mm -hmm. are I think that we are inherently carers and nurturers by nature of the fact that we can become mothers and that's like the biological, like how children survive, you know, right. is that we care for them. Um, but, but there is a socialization element to that too. It, I think it's half and half there. But women are, are socialized to be the carers and the nurturers and to um, coddle the weak ones and, you know, and so of course we're going to shoulder that burden of men who feel a little bit more feminine and want to call themselves women. So that's kind of the, the radical feminist angle looking at the liberal feminists and saying, okay, this is why they do this. And I can see that. I mean, I, 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 I get that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make any sense because they're not women. We're like completely throwing biological science out of our brains when we talk about it. But I, I see it as a fad. I don't see it lasting. I mean, in another 15, 20-ish years, I think we're going to be seeing lawsuits of adult children who were transitioned by their parents and who had their fertility stripped away from them because of puberty blockers. I think that we're going to see women who have had their thighs skin grafted into fake penises suing because of med or for medical malpractice. Um, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of lawsuits and doctors losing their licenses and being jailed because of this whole thing. I, I really, really think that's what's going to happen 15, 20 years from now. The steam that this movement has had is like a firecracker, you know, just like gets lit and it takes off and, and then it, as soon as it hits that peak, it just falls apart, you know, and that's, I think we're seeing that happen. The crazier that this gets, it's falling apart. I mean, I hate to think this way, but I almost hope that does happen because you know, there needs to be some sort of guilt for right, everything absolutely. that's going on right now. Like, I really feel that way. Like, doctors and politicians and, you know, these sheep-like celebrities and all these people should should feel some momentum of guilt for doing this. If they don't feel right. it now, then there should be a reason in the future why they do. Right. And I think, I think I saw something on Twitter today or yesterday where we're saying that, like, you know, 50 years ago, we didn't know cigarettes caused cancer. And, you know, 70 years ago, we didn't know that alcohol did all things to our liver. And how do we, you know, like maybe pumping testosterone into uh, a biological female is going to be like detrimental to their health. So we know it won't cause cancer or something along those lines in the future. And that's absolutely true. That's like, think about how many people's lives could potentially be ruined. I'll, I'll say this. And I'm not trying to be funny, and, you know, some of my friends who see this will laugh, but I am kind of an effeminate man. Um, growing up, um, you know, my father, the toxic masculine, called me Christina, and I was always more apt to fold laundry and do dishes than I was to work on the car and things like that. And I have a very loving nature. Very and you like show tunes, huh? 
you know, funny because my girlfriend probably didn't get into one. And for like a, a week, I was really into them. But, uh, but anyway, um, either way, um, there was a joke amongst my friends that I was a lesbian who trapped inside a man's body. <laughs> because because I am a straight man and I enjoy being a man. I got, I got this great handsome beard that I would never want to get rid of. But, but I guess gender roles, I'm sort of more feminine than I am masculine, which I don't really care. I, growing up, it was kind of hard just being teased a lot, but like nowadays, I don't care. But I could have very easily, if I was a teenager now, I could have very easily been talked into thinking that I was a woman. Right. You know what I mean? And like, I don't even want to think about that. Like, that, that's horrible. Like, how many people's lives are potentially being ruined by this? What's going on? People want votes? Is that what it is? Because we want, like, you know, red states to become blue states? And, like, all, like, it makes me violently angry to think about stuff like that. Like, politicians or whoever is, is controlling the narrative, and they're probably happy in both parties. I'm not going to be ignorant and say it, it isn't. But they don't care about people's lives or well They just care about their bottom line. They just care right. about how many how many votes they're going to generate, and, and all this crap. And this is this is what I was saying in the text earlier. It all feels so much like gasoline. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really coming down to, it's boiling down to, for me, the only thing that seems to make sense to me is that this is a toxic relationship that voters and politicians have with each other. And, and, you know, this whole, like, left versus right thing, and I know I've been saying this for weeks, but, like, this whole left versus right thing is just, it's just a magic trick. It's like, look what's happening over here so you don't see what's happening in the other hand. You know, like, it's keeping us distracted, it's keeping us mad at each other so we're not, you know, our eyes aren't open to mad at them or to resist what they're trying to shut down on our throats. Right. So, you know, what's, what's the answer? What do we do about it? Hope that everyone just reads more and starts putting starts putting facts and information ahead of making sure you're not pissing some off. I mean, that's how we got to where we, that's like why we're at where we are now as far as us feeling like we have to create a whole different page just so we can have these kinds of conversations because there's this genuine fear of being judged by our friends and our, you know, social circle for I mean, they could have the exact same ideas we do, but the fact that we're willing to talk about them and open, you know, have an open discussion is something that they're completely uncomfortable with. So it's, it's this putting up with being, un, excuse me, not even wanting to be uncomfortable for the sake of getting information out there. So it's, it's like people, we're just going to be willing to let other people go down a path that feel is wrong, but we're not going to say anything because we'd rather be comfortable than, you know, dare speak up. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, what can we do to fix it? It's like, just keep doing this, keep talking. Hopefully people realize we're not coming from a position of hatred or, you know, uh, anger, but it's, you know, a genuine, like we're genuinely just asking questions. We're wanting to, you know, poke and prod at things that obviously we're not supposed to be poking and prodding at.
particular issue on, on trans, I've been talking publicly about it since 2012, and I've lost friends over it, you know, um, but it's more important to be speaking the truth on whichever topic it is that you are the most passionate about. Um, and I'm not necessarily passionate about trans issues because it's boring. Like they're literally the most boring people on the planet. And that's why they have this issue, you know, but it's because it's so enshrined into law and it deals with such a bigger issue about freedom of speech and law and reality that I can't ignore it. But I've lost a lot of friends about it. And I've also had so many people private message me over the years. I'm so glad that you are saying these things because I can't. I can't for whatever reason, for the fear of losing a job or the fear of losing a relationship or the fear of losing social status or whatever. But also I've had people turn around and start speaking out, you know, yeah. and other issues too. There are there are a few other issues that I've had people I've watched turn the car, and and it's because you just have, you just keep talking about it, and you keep bringing it to the forefront so that people are thinking about it and they look into it, they fact check you, they look into the studies, they do their research, and I mean that's that's how I ended up changing tide on so many different positions that I that I used to hold, you know, is because there were people shouting about these things so i looked and i back checked them because i like proving people wrong you know <laughs> but i also like being proven wrong you know and i just actually just posted a quote by uh, a paraphrasing of uh lauren southern and stefan molyneux an interview they gave about being wrong that it's it's a good thing to be proven wrong because then your life changes your knowledge base expands. You learn how to be a better person. And it, I mean, this is a good thing. Even if it's painful to be wrong, it's a good thing. And so many people just don't want to be wrong, that they just get stuck in their little echo chamber of, I'm right and you're Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I'm, that might be our new. Uh, Catchphrase.
buddy. Yeah. just to touch on that the only reason that you know they're considered you know part of the intellectual dark web or you know alt-right figures whatever you you want to classify them is because they don't check all of the boxes like they're not gung-ho for you know every single left-leaning issue right right But Joe Rogan hunts. But Joe Rogan hunts too. You can't you can't be a hunter, you know? You can't you can't kill animals. Before we talk about censorship, I just wanted to bring something that I saw that was interesting today. Yahoo Sports uh reported and then a bunch of other outlets reported on it afterwards that so you saw that lebron was opening up a uh, school in akron the the i promise academy or something like that so it turns out yeah so you know cnn did like trump had tweeted out at lebron and don lemon saying that the dumbest guy on tv don lemon just made lebron look smart and you know the the interview is basically about him opening up the school. But so a report came out that said that uh, over 75% of the school's budget is going to be paid for by the taxpayers. So like they're having to, they're having to take teachers away from the Akron school district to come teach at this school that they're using Akron independent school districts uh, building for the school. It's being funded by like, LeBron's paying uh, $2 million or his foundation is paying $2 million for the startup of the school, like startup costs. And then uh, once the school is at capacity, he's committed to donating $2 million a year after that. But the vast majority of the school is going to be paid for like a typical public school. So I just thought that that was a very, interesting little tidbit as far as like the narrative being pushed of you know i, I don't know if you've seen on the twitters and the face yeah. bags of all the people just oh lebron's done more for 
public education than you know Trump's ever done, and Amazon. Yeah. Bezos did the same thing. He'd still have enough money to pay the salary of like 370 LeBron James. Yeah. But he won't do that. It's for, so it's like, um, I don't know, inner city underprivileged kids who wouldn't have the ability, you know, growing up in rough circumstances, but they're, so he had committed to, they're going to get you know, free breakfast every day, but it's the same exact breakfast that the rest of Akron school district gives to its, you know, at-risk kids. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty much a public charter school. They're still going to use the school district's buses. uh, Still the free lunches that the at-risk kids get in the rest of the public schools. Um, So yeah, it's just basically opening up another public school but he's paying for a quarter of it, which is great. I mean, that's still commendable, but at the same time, like the way it was presented was LeBron's opening up a school and he's going to, you know, change the world. And it's like, well, the taxpayers are doing most of the changing. Like he, he's putting his name behind it. He's probably going to show up to pep rallies now and then, but. I'm sure he does. Right, what the ulterior motive is. And I mean, I'm sure he is, you know, a, a great guy and wanting to help, but it's just as far as like having context is important. And there wasn't a, over the weekend, there wasn't a single outlet talking about how, you know, yeah, he's covering about a quarter of the cost, but the rest of it's just going to operate like a normal public charter school. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not faulting LeBron James, honestly. I mean, I've read a lot about the guy and he really does seem to be a pretty stable and really Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. He's married. He's got kids. He raises his kids. He's not out, you know, Getting wild in the clubs. He went to high school with right. Like, he's known her for his whole life, you know? So, I mean, I, and he just happens to make a lot of money. And he's giving money back to the community, which I think is great. But I just wish that it wasn't being painted as LeBron is doing this whole school thing when that's not the case, of course. Right. And uh, not until it's that capacity. I, right. I just thought it was really interesting because, you know, over the weekend it was kind of – a lot of attack on Trump for his tweet saying that, you know, calling him stupid or whatever. Like that's what all the focus was on. And then this came by, it came up today and I was just like, Oh, that, that, you know, why wasn't that ever talked about? Why didn't they say that? Right. Right. Yeah. He's a, Right. He's consistently an a-hole.
That, I think that was my favorite, my favorite part of the tweet. That's what made me love it so much. It's just the, I like Mike. Like, I like that too, President Troll. Thought that I just thought that was an interesting thing that I saw today, but we can we can move on to the to the big topic of the day of censorship and media and why hopefully we can grow big enough to where we get shut down one day. That is the new goal to get so big that they have to ban us. So as we all did we? I don't I hope not. No, we're still going. We're still rocking. But uh yeah, so Alex Jones InfoWars completely kicked off of Facebook and YouTube and Spotify and the Apple Podcast uh app and then the Ron Paul Institute executive got kicked off Twitter. There's a lot going on as far as yeah, for uh, basically just for replacing one word in the Sarah, what is her last name? Zhang? Yeah, Sarah Zhang's tweets. All she did was just replace white with black. Or no, with Jew. She replaced white with Jew. Black and Jew, and then she replaced man with woman. That's right. So she used all of those hot words. You know, yeah. And she was banned for 12 hours for posting the exact same tweet. No. She got it back. Yeah, but just the fact that, yeah, she got banned. It, it has everything to do with people reporting it. I mean, you know, when that Sarah Zhang chick was saying all that, a few people reported it. I feel like right-wing people don't report stuff like if they see something that pisses them off they just like sort of just are like ah, that's that person sucks i'm gonna say my piece and then move on whereas like you know on the left side you have oh that that pisses me off well i'm gonna report them and get them kicked off of she's the new york the chick that got hired by the new york times former vice yeah the she, um, like, uh, uh, end white people or silence. Cancel white people. Cancel white people. Or I, I love um, making life miserable for old white men. And right, right, right. Or whatever it was. And she's got several that are just like, oh, yeah, she's like been doing it for years. Completely right. trackers. Yeah, yeah, they're nuts. So it only took Jones to be. And switched, okay, all right. Yeah, she switched out words and then she got banned for it. So the standard just isn't there. Yeah, she. I'm, I'm sick of one house rather than the other with her. <laughs> yeah. But at the same, I mean, it just shows the double standard, I guess. Right. Which, you know, like Tasha, we were talking earlier about the whole. Um, Turning Point USA thing, him, her, her and uh, what's his name, Kirk something? Can't, Charlie Kirk, yeah. Uh, being out and about for breakfast and then all of a sudden the, a bunch of protesters showed up and so you, 
what what did you find though you said that you found that people were stalking them yeah so one one that i read and i can't remember where i read it and i didn't save it um one that i read uh it was said that they noted that some people there with antifa patches on their bags and such and that they had notified people to come and protest so the suspicion is is that they were actually being stalked and i don't know if they were being stalked by other twitter or or what but they were being followed and people called protesters to come and harass them you know i said on my page the second somebody blows a bullhorn right in my ear i push that bullhorn bullhorn in their face because i mean that's assault yeah you know you're you're rendering me unable to hear and possibly um causing hearing damage you know that's physical that's a physical ramification of your actions Therefore, you assaulted me. So I'm going to assault you back. You know, you're going to get that bullhorn up your nose because that's completely unacceptable. And, and if anybody saw this video, it's insane the way these people carried on. And we see this happening over and over and over again. And they think they can get away with it. You know, I have some uh, one friend who was like, "Oh, well, they're they're all probably on welfare, and that's why they got the time." No, these are wealthy white liberal kids. These are trust fund babies who have nothing else to do with their life. Getting their liberal arts degrees. Yep, that's what these that's who these people are. They're not people who, you know, just want free things. Although they do just want free things. And weren't they yelling end white supremacy at yes, yes. at yes. Candace Owens? To a black woman and yes. saying the no cops, no KKK, no racist USA in front of these police officers who, who almost all of them were black or Hispanic and I mean it just doesn't make any sense white liberal are committing racism and it's like completely okay they're progressive right and they're why is every meme you know a white liberal and a black conservative yelling at each other and a white liberal calling the black conservative racist like what is going on you are a white supremacist, Candace. Yeah. <laughs> I like her reply, though. I mean, she tells people when, when they tell her that she's an Uncle Tom, she's like, did you read that book? Right. <laughs> Uncle Tom was the hero. <laughs> 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 Pretty uh, now, Alex Jones, did, Facebook just recently said that they weren't going to boot him from the platform. Right. And then they... Yeah, fa Facebook. Yeah, Alex Jones is deleted. He's he got unpersoned. No, uh, yeah, they. Well, it had been going on for a while. Like they, you know, just because like having been in the publishing world, I understand the um, communication that goes back and forth between big publishers and you know Facebook itself. And like Facebook makes money off of having these big publishers. Um, specifically using instant articles because that's their advertising network inside of the article so instead whereas before uh i guess it was probably around 2017 was when the change but before you would click on a website or an article and it would take you to their website and it would you'd be off of facebook whereas now the articles especially on mobile yeah it's pretty much only on mobile but you click on an article on your phone and then it's still it's you're still in facebook but now the articles show up i'm sure you you guys have seen it you know 
instead of you know having your Safari open or your Chrome open at state. So publishers would like constantly be in communication with Facebook just to make like with you know a rep or something like that to make sure that they're following all of the guidelines and uh, you know if some if you if Alex Jones or if Infowars had been doing something different you know now that they you know weren't doing before it'd be one thing but they've been pretty consistent as far as the type of content that they produce so now all of a sudden I guess the last quarter numbers for Facebook came out and so I guess with Facebook not doing too well and they had that I mean what they lost like billions of dollars in their value right and so my thinking on that was like you know they figured they got to do something crazy and one thing that they can do is appeal to the mob you know as opposed to keep doing what they're doing and hope that their money-making model works the way they want it now they're like okay you know what last quarter was so bad so now we have to start giving into the demands of these you know crazy people who use our platform we got to start kicking off guys who they disagree with rather than just tell them to not follow it i mean that makes sense for facebook and i know that generally speaking youtube loses money for google but isn't alex jones making youtube money well yeah he's got to be right so i, I understand from the facebook point of view yeah, yeah. like I, I, he had like two and a quarter million at one point i guess he was down to like one and three quarters well, a lot of it is advertisers specifically don't want to probably advertise on his uh, show. So th I, I could imagine a scenario where a lot like, you know, they talk about demonetization and all that means is like you don't have ads on during your during your program. So I'm sure that they were having a. I think so. I can't really remember the other than like the because that's why he does so many of the you know, products and the super male vitality and all the, all of that stuff. Like he has to do that separately because they're not making the advertising dollars because I guess advertisers don't want to work with them. But the article that I wrote today was just talking about like the double standard of how these same companies, you know, that wanted net neutrality for the sake of, you know, a fair internet and open internet, you know, not having, uh, censorship and not having, you know, IS, giving ISPs the power to control what you see. You know, they were genuinely concerned about that, but now all of a sudden using that same power that they were so worried about. You know, they're kicking off someone. Well, the, no, I'm saying like, I'm sure they do, but they just don't care. Like it's, they understand that the mob is always going to be aligned with okay well they agree with us so what they're doing is right whereas you know if the isps were doing it you know if the if comcast decided that they didn't want to show msnbc or something like that then you know you'd have a bunch of people you know you'd have an uproar because it's like oh well we like that information that they were giving us like it's okay to do it to this guy because he's you know right-wing conspiracy Yeah. The way they were choosing language, like that is so scary. How is that? And this is scary too. Liberals might not care about their democracy or the anti—I should say—the anti-Alex Jones community. 
which I'm probably a part of, even though a lot of people would consider me a conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones is friggin' active, okay? Like, there is nothing genuine about that guy. He might actually believe the stuff he's peddling, I don't know, but he is definitely on the team, you know, or to, to give himself a living. He's an actor. I don't like him. I think that he, he brings, you know, he brings, you know, he, it's people like him that are the reason that so many people are like, oh, crazy conspiracy theorists, you know? So, whatever with that. But they might not care today because they're getting their way, but they're going to care in two years, five years, when the standard has been set. They're setting it now. And they're platforms are being eliminated because, you know, people are accusing them of lying or whatever the situation, glorifying violence. I mean, just put on an Antifa video and you're glorifying violence. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how is Alex Jones more violent than Antifa? Like, I'd just love to hear an intellectual argument and tell me how that, how that Well, he's, you know? he's got a big following, you know, he, he incites violence. You know, ne- never mind that it's it was a Bernie Sanders supporter that went out and shot, you know, shot up the GOP baseball practice or whatever. Like, never mind. Like, you know, that's that's totally fine. But it's you know, Alex Jones brought up PizzaGate or. No way, really? Let's see, we had div- diverged away from MSNBC. Oh, you were just saying you just you don't agree with what Alex Jones says, but well, I just think I just think that they're and that they're going to be That's right. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing that happened, you know, with like Obama signing executive orders at the time. It was like, you know, praise for being, you know, oh, he's doing it without Congress, you know, this is what leadership looks like, and all of a sudden you know, Trump's doing the same thing and, you know, with executive orders and it's like, oh, he's not, he's not doing the process. He's not going through the, you know, proper governmental process to get things passed. And it was, so yes, that, that's like just the most recent example I can think of, of like, you know, if, when your team's doing it, it's all good. But then when the other team's doing it, you're pissed off. Cause it's like, well, that's not how it works. I was about to say the truther movement. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I, I think Alex 
probably humor of using my logic, but I don't have any real proof of that. I guess I don't have any real proof of logic either, but I didn't have them. That's true. But um, I think that those people are, are there, have been allowed to speak, if not planned to speak, to, to bring attention to the issue. You know what I mean? So, you know, I wish they would go away Yeah. We're supposed to let people with stupid ideas talk. That way they expose how stupid they are. Right. You know, you wouldn't. Oh, I was just going to say, you wouldn't want to shut someone up unless they were taking away from the message or the narrative that you're trying to push. Like, that's the only reason you would try to, you know, get them kicked off and prevent them from uh, growing their audience or whatever you know, whatever their goal is, you don't want them to reach it because you're genuinely worried about them. Like, whereas if, you know, if it was widely accepted on the left that, oh, you know, everything he's saying is made up and everyone understands that, you know, he's a crazy person, then they would just let him spew his craziness. But now it's like, well, he's dangerous. He can't, you know, maybe there is some, I mean, it's starting to get people's gears turned into where like, okay, wait a minute, maybe there is some validity to what he's saying. Because they wouldn't. Right, that's what. I was thinking about this morning about this whole thing. Was, well, what if he's saying some stuff that's actually valid? And they're like, oh my God, we got to shut this guy up because people are going to start. They found out that that crazy crap he was saying about turning the frog gay, they found out there was some truth to that. Scientifically, there was truth to that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, about hormones in water. Yeah, like rhetorically, it sounds crazy, but then at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you do a little bit of digging, and it's like, oh, okay, wait, it is changing their uh, behavior, you know? So, I mean, all it takes is a couple connecting of the dots before you're like, wait a minute, okay, this guy is not completely off his rocker. Obviously, a lot of what he says is hyperbole, but there is some validity to what he's saying. And it, I mean, it really even doesn't matter if like how rare it is, like if he's, you know, if one out of 10 things he says is correct, but it's something that, you know, the controllers, for a lack of a better term, uh, you know, they don't want to get out, then they're much more willing to paint him as a crazy person and kick him off than just let him be a crazy person and, you know. On Facebook and YouTube and all that, because he's still broadcasting all of his stuff on uh, their website. Yeah, on Infowars. Right. That could be it, but I, I really do think that that guy's got, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that, because I was never really into him, and I, I, there was like a couple months, a couple months, maybe like a year ago, where I like listened to him, you know, a couple times a week, but like I've got, of my friends that pushed me into like, hey, you need to check him out, like they, they were the ones that, you know, downloaded the actual app and, uh, you know, went to his website for all of his content and everything like that. Like everything that I saw was just in passing. So I think that you're right in one sense. There are a lot of people that just have 
know, just have it as a button that they click subscribe on. But at the same time, I think that there's a, like you're discounting a lot of people who do seek out his information. Right. Right. That, and that, that was my, like, that, I'm like torn because at the same time, it's like, okay, is he controlled opposition to where, you know, like you were saying, he's trying, the, the powers that be are trying to use him to discredit the truth movement. But at the same time, like, was this, is this going to do what their intentions is? Is it going to discredit it or is it only going to make him grow? Is it only going to uh, make people who, like you said, only hit the subscribe button. That's the only reason they follow him or, you know, people who hadn't even heard of the guy. Like there's still, you know, we live in our own little internet world where we think everyone is, you know, watching and following the same things we do. So we have conversations with people outside of it. Like there's still a lot of people who have no idea who Alex Jones is. So, you know, they're going to see, oh, you know, social media is kicking off someone like, and this guy had millions of followers. Well, who, you know, I didn't know about him, so let me check him out. So, I mean, censorship doesn't work. And that's what I was going to originally title my article was, like, censorship just doesn't work. All it does is give that person a bigger voice. Like, if you squash them early on when they can't have a following, then that's one thing. But if you're, uh, if you wait until they have, you know, three million subscribers and, you know, millions of followers on their pages, then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, wow, you just amplified that person. Like all of all of the people who did watch in passing are now going to, you know, go seek out those articles and go download the app and all of that. People who never heard of them are going to go, who's this guy and watch this happening. And all the people that decry fake news, they're going to, you know, be opened up. Oh, well, this guy, you know, he talks about, mainstream media being fake news so maybe he's someone I should go follow that sort of thing that would, that would be a really brilliant plan if he was controlled opposition and they're censoring him to do the opposite to get eyes on him that would be really, really yeah and then take people down a different rabbit hole than you know where they're going or where yeah all of a sudden you're watching videos about lizard people. I don't know. I think it's stupid planning on like, I, I think that. So these tech companies are run by mostly liberal people. And I think that they genuinely believe that they're like the gatekeepers or they're the, you know, the, the last, the last bastions of truth you know, and they're so high and mighty that,
that they genuinely believe kicking someone off of their platform is the worst thing that could possibly happen to that person. So while part of me thinks like, oh, these guys are brilliant, you know, uh, social scientists and, you know, uh, all the psyop games that get played with, you know, our society, like, you know, they're always one step ahead of us. That's part of me does think that, you know, but the other, on the other side, like these guys are nerds and these guys want to be, uh, held up as cool. Like these guys are like computer dorks, you know, they were never cool growing up. So, you know, the thing to be cool with today's social media or not social media, but uh, social justice, you know, community, the thing to be cool would be to kick someone off that everyone disagrees with. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm at the, these guys think that what they're doing is really helping and it's a really good thing to kick someone off that everyone disagrees with. Can I, can I just, let me just say that I feel like you're, you're stopping too, too early. You're, you're, you're stopping at the tech companies when you're not the tech companies that are making the decisions. Would you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to put my well at us. Just saying that maybe the tech companies are being told by who I don't know, but are being told, you know, what what to do. And, and that, that, that's you know, what I was saying before. More companies, so not business. As a matter of fact, they're basically competition for each other. Right, they're all competing for eyeballs. They, they all basically did the same thing on the same day. Who knows? Oh yeah. You know, so why would I why would I not think it's possible that somebody somewhere decided and told these four companies at the same time Shut it down? Yeah. And I guess we were talking about that even before the show, huh? Like of knowing what the timeline was for like okay, at you know, four thirty AM he got kicked off YouTube. At five AM he got kicked off facebook at you know 515 like i want to that would be interesting to see like how the dominoes fell and we can you know look that up after the show and link some stuff to that on the page but it's like yeah i that's and then you know who knows uh who the person pulling the strings is for all of that i mean what did they all get in a room together and say hey we need to all agree that infowars has to go like because it's yeah Right, like I don't, I don't see Zuckerberg and you know the guys at YouTube and the Spotify guys all hanging out at a bar thinking that okay, we're gonna you know shut this down. Like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> God, they're just such nerds. Grabs tin foil hat, puts it on. No, but that, I mean, that's a really good point because I had totally just didn't even think about that, especially when I was writing the article about, because my whole premise was like there, and I've, I've said this about every single uh, social media app or website or whatever, like it's, you know, it's theirs. Like it's these companies 
thing and we're just using it. We just happen to be using it. And, you know, they give off this false notion of being a place for, you know, uh, free speech and, you know, the, the freedom to share ideas and openly communicate. But no, it is on their terms and like they're within their right to, you know, kick anyone off. You know, especially if they feel like someone's hurting the bottom line. But it's like, but yeah, I mean, their excuse could be total BS, but I'm saying like, it's, it's their thing. You know, when you're growing up as a kid and like, you know, your parents tell you not to do something and they're like, well, like, why, why can't I do that? And it's like, well, because it's my house. Like it's my house, my rules. You're like, okay, that's not a really, that's not really a good reason, but I guess like you, you're right. I mean, you're not wrong. It is still your property. So you can do with it whatever you want. So I'll never argue against that. It's just the, they can't, I, I just find it ironic that these same people, these groups of people were so loud over net neutrality and having a free internet. And now they're, you know, as long as they can control, like they're totally fine as long as they have the power to censor people, but they didn't want to live in fear of possibly being censored. That's what, that's my problem with it is they're on the one hand, so rah, rah for having this policy in place. But then on the other hand, they're totally fine as long as they're the ones that are able to do the thing that they were afraid of. But I, right. But he didn't get kicked off Twitter. Twitter didn't kick off InfoWars, but no one's going to use Periscope. You can do it on Periscope, but like I said, nobody uses Periscope. Yeah. And another thing that I wanted to touch on that I didn't even, I was going to include, but I just sort of didn't know where to end it at is these people who, you know, are big fans. um, Whenever they would share an article from, or whenever, you know, their page shares an article or a video and it gets shared by other people and stuff that opens up the door for conversation to be had about that article with people who would disagree with it. Whereas if people are just going to InfoWars for the information, all they're, they're only with other people who are going to InfoWars for information. So they're only, they're basically in an echo chamber there. So by being kicked off of these platforms, they've completely gotten rid of uh, the potential for conversations that could be had about these so-called dangerous pieces that, you know, they're publishing. I mean, things that, you know, you disagree with. Uh, I feel like Facebook's doing a disservice by kicking him off because now people who would genuine, generally disagree with those sharing those kinds of articles aren't going to be able to have those kinds of conversations nearly as often.
you know, like if someone's sharing a, a Sandy Hook uh, conspiracy video from InfoWars, you know, on their, you know, on their Facebook or whatever, uh, like from the InfoWars page, then, you know, that gives people an opportunity to be like, hey, Steve, why are you sharing this? This is crap. Like, you know, whereas now it's like people are just going to be stuck in InfoWars because that's the only place that they can go. Because a lot of times people come into a conversation with their position, but they have no idea how they came to that conclusion on their position. They just like, they know that this is acceptable. They know that their social, their social circle uh, agrees with them. And so that's just the safe position to have, but they don't know. They never came to that conclusion on their own. Dave Rubin's so great. I said Dave Rubin's so great. He needs to come back from his sabbatical. Yeah, I was going to say it's August, so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't come out to play in August. But um, I don't, I just, if you thought for a minute, and I don't mean you, like someone like Sarah Young, if she thinks for a minute that what she, you know, what she's doing might be critical or it might be just dangerous in some way, she's setting a standard. You know, like, maybe she would actually stop. Like, and I'm not saying she, she seems like a very smart lady. I, I, don't, I don't think that she wouldn't have had her job that she's managed to have if she wasn't smart. But, like, just put the pieces together. Like, connect the dots with what you're doing is what you need. Yeah. Well, those tweets, for her specifically, those tweets were – those tweets were years ago. I mean, to be fair, like, no, but there's an, uh, I'm going to send you guys an article after this. There is an interesting article that I read from uh, this girl who's from China who uh, did an interview for vice. She does like uh, do it yourself technology stuff and like, you know, invents things. But um, there's like certain rules that you're not allowed to talk about certain things in China. Like you're not allowed to, and she, she said it, but you know, you're not really allowed to talk about your sexual orientation and things like that over there. But Sarah Zhang was working for Vice and um, pretty much like outed her uh, 
in an article she was writing because uh, I guess the content that she was writing about wasn't interesting enough. So she had to make it all about, you know, uh, sexual orientation and things like that. And so she wrote a critique of her being hired by the New York Times because she was like, I'm afraid this kind of journalistic practice is going to be carried over from, you know, Vice News, which, you know, everyone pretty much understands it. But I mean, whatever your opinion of Vice News is, you know, like they're edgy or, you know, new age, like they don't, I guess, follow the rules of traditional journalism. And this girl was genuinely concerned that like, okay, so is this like living in China? Is this the type of thing that's just going to become more pervasive? Like if mainstream outlets are hiring people like that, who, you know, are willing to put a story ahead of like someone's well-being. So I, I understand the concern for the tweets, but this girl was genuinely like concerned that Sarah Zhang's putting people in danger just to get an interesting story, just to get, you know, something more key. Are you following? Chris? Yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so like the, I don't think she's doing the tweets thing. I think it's like, it's gone from that to now there's like a genuine concern from people that like, oh, this girl doesn't like care about her sources. She's willing to, you know, out her sources if it makes for that particular story to get a couple more clicks. I, hold on, I'll get a name. As her source and as, uh, oh, hold on. It was both her source and her sexuality, though. Hold on, I'll get it. But yeah. I don't think so. I think it was more of a. I think it was just a, it was a, a, yeah, it was just a concerned person who was like, as a person in China who, um, she said like the, the Chinese hold most of uh, Western media in high esteem. Like, you know, it's a big deal if Western media wants to interview you and they're traditionally very respectful of the Chinese culture and like, you know, the both rules that are written and unwritten as far as like what you can and can't talk about. And then Sarah Zhang just totally goes, uh, like sidesteps that and doesn't, she was born in China, correct? I don't think so. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure she was born somewhere. Yeah, the, this girl is Naomi Wu. I don't know if it's, hold on, I'm going, I'm... Yesterday, I can't remember what article it was on the Daily Wire, but Michael Moore's comment on Facebook was, if the West didn't have any double standards, they'd have no standards at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she didn't out her. She possibly 
or she speculated on her sexuality, which uh, because she didn't talk about it, she said that, you know, because she won't talk about her sexuality, then therefore she probably is, you know, a lesbian, which may or may not be the case, but it was the fact that like this girl was talking about things on the side of technology and women's role in technology and Sarah Zhang decided to make it about more than that. to this obsession with with who is having sex with who right you know like who cares it's not relevant to writing about technology who this woman is having sex with right so she you're just trying to be a leftist right so her quote was or one of her quotes was Vice would endanger me for a few clicks because in Brooklyn, certain things are no big deal. This is not journalism. It does not deserve to hide behind the protection legitimate, the protection legitimate use of that title warrants. This is a savage abuse of privilege, knowing full well that in China, I had no possible recourse against a billion dollar company. So, yeah, I mean, the purpose of this whole article was just her saying like, hey, this girl's a scumbag, like, outside of just what she tweeted, like, she, from a journalistic standpoint, she doesn't, like, they'll send an agreement, and then they'll totally break their agreement if it's going to get them more clicks. Right, there's no journalistic integrity. Right. And so she felt like by the New York Times hiring her, because, you know, there is censorship over there, like, you're not able to get all the different media outlets that you can get over here, you know, Facebook and Twitter and stuff are monitored over there if they're even allowed to use them. But it's her concern was uh, Naomi's concern was like, is all of Western journalism going that route? Like, is it all, is everyone, you know, going from a, a place of like protecting your sources to, well, I'm totally fine throwing my source under the bus if it's going to get me a couple more clicks for this one article. Well, I, I, I sometimes wonder the reason that people late, and I, I sometimes wonder if it's age or if people aren't, don't talk about their sources because they don't have it. There's some of that. Totally. You know, there's you know, something, and I, I'm not going to mention what the topic is right now because um, there, there are people that I want to protect. But there's an article about an event that was here, and it's, it's the article is written on a leftist website um, that deals with LGBT issues, and it's a smear piece about an event that was held here about um, parents resisting policies, leftist policies in public schools, and. The entire thing, I just like, I read it and I couldn't believe that any thinking person would read anything other than sneer out of this piece of supposed journalism. And, um, you know, I know some of the people involved in having written it, and they, that's all they do is write sneer and call it journalism, call it, you know, exposing bigotry or whatever they want to call it, but all of this is sneer. And, and, and it really, it does feel that way, that things have just evolved to the point that we're just writing, that there are so many avenues that are being called um, 
trustworthy news sources that are really just writing smear for the clicks. And it's really distressing because who, how are we supposed to parse out? Okay, we, we get told that Alex Jones is fake news. But what about the, the fake news that CNN has run before? What about the fake news or the smear pieces that New York Times has run about, you know, Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson? You know, things that are completely verifiably false about these people, they run them, and, and it's okay. And we're supposed to just take it as gospel truth because it's in the New York Times. And then when they get it wrong, oh, well, you know, they wrote a retraction. It's like, well, most people didn't read the retraction. Most people read the, right. the first false thing that you wrote. And half of the problem too with that is that people are mostly just reading the headlines and clicking share. Mm -hmm. so they're not even reading the whole thing or verifying any of the information within it. They're just, oh, the New York Times said this in a headline, so that's true. Yeah, they're using they're using articles as, as Twitter. Right. And, you know, they're reading the headline as if it was a tweet, and they feel like they agree with the tweet, so they're they're sharing it without having any any concern for what the meat and potatoes are. Well, I can't be too critical of it. I mean, I worked for a publisher that pretty much did that similar thing as far as like being conservative, you know, it would be like, you know, you won't believe what Nancy Pelosi said and that kind of, that kind of, so, well, I, I just can't be too critical of it because at the same time, like, on the one hand, yes, you know, it's clickbait. You're not, you know, presenting all of the information. But at the same time, like, when you're the one putting the information together in the piece, like, you have to write something captivating or else nobody's going to click on it. You know, if you just right. – so, like, you got to make money if you're the ones doing it. But at the same time, like, to – it's one thing to write something that's a clickbait title. It's another thing to print a falsehood, though. And – that's I think that's where we're all in agreement is the you know printing outright falsehoods is the dangerous thing and the wrong when thing. I, started, I, think I, started sharing, no, go ahead. I, I think the dangerous thing is that we have designated trustworthy places and designated not trustworthy places. Yeah. That's the dangerous thing. You wanna sorry, you wanna lie? Go ahead, buy all you want. I don't really give a crap, but it should be possible that people go, hey, they're complete full crap. I'm not going to lie, so we their crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, Unfollow. Is that not the way it used to be before Facebook and Twitter and all this junk? Like, you know, people yeah, thought they were going to say. Yeah, National Enquirer. <laughs> sharing things from, you know, the Federalist or, you know, other right-wing sources. Breitbart. Because everybody, yeah, Breitbart or, or the Blaze or anything, people on my feed would be like, you know that that's a conservative or, or far right website. I'm like, but it, what they're saying is true, so why does it matter? What, what, is there any such thing as moderate right or not? No, no. Right? no. Okay. If, it, if it's not left, it's far right. Okay, that's just wanted to know. That's the truth right there. Because everything is far right. So, you know, it's like, I mean, 
I'll get it now and again. And I, I, I post little disclaimers now and again. I'm like, I share stuff from all over the internet. And if you don't like it, don't follow me. Because if it's true, I'm going to post it. If I post it and I don't put commentary, it's usually because I haven't looked into it yet. But I want to, and I want to, you know, just, it's like a bulletin board for me, you know. That's, that's kind of how I use Facebook. It's a bulletin board and it's a place to discuss stuff. And, you know, if it turns out to be crap, I'll talk about how it's crap. But if it's not, I'll talk about how it's not and I don't care who the source is if it's the truth, you know. And I've done apologizing for sharing things from, you know, Matt Walsh or even Glenn Beck for crying out loud. The first time I shared something from Glenn Beck, I was like, oh, my God, who am I? You Thank know? you. But what he said was true. So I couldn't not agree with it just because I think that he's repugnant, you know. I just, and this is true for religion too. We sort of touched on this in a, in a conversation earlier, but I believe that everybody should be allowed to have their own ideology and their own religion. Personalized. It doesn't, too many things are getting lumped together invalidly these days by too many people. And too many people are swallowing that. You know, it's like, if I believe this, then I have to believe this. Well, what if you don't believe one? What if you genuinely, in your soul, believe one? But you genuinely, in your soul, very much disagree with the other? You know what I'm saying? And people are not allowing themselves to do that anymore. And that really bothers me. You know? And, I mean, I used to do it. It's why I had a problem with Christian church for so long. Because I didn't believe everything they were saying, so I—I I mean, I, I, I'm just—I'm a good moral person, luckily. So it was fine. I could denounce the church and not become a jerk, you know, an arrogant sob who just went around doing all these bad things to people. But you know, that's what happens. Is that people go, well, you know, I believe this and I don't believe this, so I need to decide: do I believe all of it or do I believe none? And that's not true, you know? And that's another reason why I hate the two-party system is because everybody has to run a goddamn platform. Just run as yourself, you know? Just like if you, you know, think that gay people should be allowed to get married, but at the same time you think that people should be allowed to have guns, then goddamn it, you believe both. What's wrong with that? Why is one like well, one designated Republican and one designated Democrat who can't take both? I just hate it. I just, I just, I wish we could just go where everyone just ran on their own platforms. Like, here are my, here's my, what I believe in. I think this, 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 this. And if you agree with me the most, then you'll vote for me. And we should The reason why we don't do that is because of money. I'm, I know that. Don't think I don't know that, but I just, that's the wrong reason. I'm just saying, give anarchy a chance, guys. I'm just saying, give anarchy a chance. I've been on Team Anarchy for a while. It's uh, just 99% of people don't need to be told, like you, like you said, you know, you don't have, you don't have to be told not to harm people and not to, you know, do wrong unto others. Most people understand that. Like we have laws because there's one percent of people that can't seem to get that. Yeah.
other political ideas um, is like, so do we just go to anarchy and let everything fall apart and then say, see, we told you? And I, and I said, yeah, because that's what we do with our kids. If they don't do something the right way, like there is a right and wrong, you know, there is objective right and wrong. And if you don't do things the right way and everything goes to hell because of it, you have to do it over again and learn from your mistakes. And that's kind of what society needs. And we've talked about it with regard to abortion. I think total decriminalization and social pressure is what needs to happen with that issue, you know? And uh, I mean, there are so many different examples that we could use for that or, you know, helping feed people who fall on hard times, you know? How, how, do, how do we work that? only got involved because churches and families stopped helping each other you know well it's and it's a double-edged sword with that specifically just to touch on that because i got into a pretty heated argument uh with my folks over that uh this weekend just talking about like the church's role but the more that government has stepped in to fill that role of feeding people and clothing people and you know uh entitlements is you know how we refer to it the more that the government has stepped and taking on that role, the less responsibility people and charities and churches feel. So it's like, oh, okay, well, someone else is taking care of this. So, you know, the burden isn't on us to help our fellow man because, you know, that's what my taxes go to. I got a question. I have your question. If the church and whoever else mentioned are feeling less responsibility, then, then what are you in it for? Like, are you committed to what you were doing? Like, were you just doing it because you felt like no one else was doing it? It is a lot of disingenuousness. A lot of people are religious because you know they don't want to go to hell. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a claiming of a belief in something, and then you wait ninety years, and then you die, and then hopefully you were right the whole time. leaning that way because, <laughs> because there's so much about all these different parties even the libertarian party that just doesn't make sense to me and really just makes me angry um so yeah i mean I, well I, there are a bunch of crazy people running that party oh my gosh we don't need to start on that um but i you know i, I really do feel like i'm kind of leaning that, that way because there's just so much that doesn't make any sense in any of these platforms and I see basic human rights violations in all of the party platforms and um, basic liberty violations. Just like, like I can't with any of it, you know? So it's like burn it all down. Burn it all down and see who comes out, you know? Like for me, it's like from a survival standpoint, it benefits you to be kind to you know, your fellow man, because they're going to help, they're going to be more inclined to help you in your time of need, as opposed to state sanctioned help, you know, where people, uh, I mean, you hear it all the time, people are uh, upset that there are so many takers, you know, so many people abusing the welfare system and things like that, people resent, you know, their fellow man, whereas like, if there was this this genuine effort to be kind to your neighbor and kind to your friends, and there'd be more of a effort on their part to want to help you. So mine. Like a video called Makers Versus Takers, but 
good um, analysis of those two positions, it's a really good video to watch because he really breaks it down, you know, what what the mindset of both of these groups of people are. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you fell on hard times. That doesn't mean you're a taker. That means that you fell on hard times and you need a little bit of help. Right, it's the schemers. Right, it's the schemers that really do exist. You know, we can we can say all we want that, you know, fraud is minuscule, but it's really, I mean, you go down to the Aldi that's right down by my house, and every time I go there, I have somebody wanting to sell me the food stamps. Every single time. I mean, that's not a lie. It's not an exaggeration. It's just the way that it is. And there are several places like that around the Twin Cities. So, I mean, it is. It is those schemers who are just taking from the system, from, from the mouths of children, that those things are supposed to really be helping. Children and elderly people. Um, that, that the church church is not helping anymore. right because there's no pressure on them to do it Maybe. I mean, what's stopping them from doing it now? Like, right. yeah, there's going to be like gangs. There have always been gangs. I'm not, this isn't a, this isn't a solution to make a utopia. What's stopping it right now is that people um, are largely just let around by the nose. Yeah, they're comfortable. People are comfortable being told what to do and how to think what amount of tax to pay and how much tithe they put to the mega church that doesn't do anything and people drive Maseratis to, to church on Sundays and you know like people are just totally happy and content being told exactly what to do and that's why it doesn't that's why society doesn't collapse uh, I guess as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a true centrist all the time on everything I just think that somewhere in the middle is right you know, like, yes, I think that people have gotten way too lazy as far as, as, far as being responsible for themselves as government has basically taken the power out of their hands. I agree with that. I think we need to scale it back a lot. But I don't think we need to scale it back all the way. You know, because things like, there are some social services that are in place 
cases that are necessary. I think they're being taken advantage of, but I think that they're there for a reason, for a good reason, and things of that nature. And I always... Again, like it's, there's a lot of different, I guess, arguments or points that I always try to counter. And like, you know, one thing is people are like, well, who's going to, you know, build the roads? Who's going to, you know, if, if we're in anarchy, who's going to maintain, you know, the roads? And I'll, I'm, I'm like, we're not start like, it's not like someone's dropping a nuke and we're just starting over with nothing. Like I'm saying starting from now, you know, with the systems, the way it is, like, uh, you know, most of the roads are already built. There's like construction companies that exist, you know, in every single community that you can do something. They're what? Yeah. Right, and that's the current system we're in right now. Well, who's taking care of them now? You said that it's... Okay, so I just, I'm going to post a link here in the chat because who takes care of the roads? Domino's Pizza takes care of the roads. Right, because they want to deliver their pizza. Like, that's... That's what I always come to. It's like, well, you know, you want to live in a neighborhood where you're able to get in and out without having to, you know, repair your suspension every time. Like, it's probably going to be the homeowners that want to have roads. And it's probably going to be the local businesses that want to have roads. You know, so that's, so there, that's one thing. Probably a can. There, there's no. Well, I'm sure like the local community, you know, the local businesses come up with, you know, a way to pay for it. I just know that there's no such thing as the, the, you know, the the state of Pennsylvania road construction company where I am. There's no there's no Texas road construction company. It's all private companies doing it anyway. So all you're doing is eliminating bureaucracy. Yeah, all you're doing is eliminating the bureaucracy and getting rid of a paycheck for someone that all they do is just, you know, sign off their signature saying that, yep, this state money is going to pay for this road. Okay, so you're trusting companies that may or may not be in competition with each other to get together and work out a business where they're going to allocate funds together to get something done. I just don't know. If you have an interest in that road being used, yeah. you're going to pony up the dollars to that company 
if you're McDonald's and you want people to get into your drive through line, you're going to pay for the road to get up to that drive through line. Right. And anybody else around you who has interest in the road surrounding you is yeah. going to pony up too. So it'll be a joint I hope not. I keep, I, I feel like I've frozen. Yeah. Maybe that's for the best. Holy moly. Oh, there I go now. Well, I guess uh, we can continue this anarchy conversation on Thursday as well as. We can leave, we can leave it at Maroads. Yeah, Maroads. Who's going to pay for Maroads? And my fire, my firefighters, even though they're all volunteer fire departments, or like 70% of them are. Just giving their time to help others? That's stupid. And it just makes your brain work, yeah. Maybe we just need to be bolder in our approach, our, uh, you know, our change my mind type thing. All right, plug, plug things for the, plug things for the five people who watch this. Yep, it's illusions destroyed, and then obviously our Facebook page. Everyone should like and share on this bad boy. And you can find me on Twitter at Tasha Rose Bad Man. And me at, at Garrett Vassal, V-A-S-C-I-L. I'm going to have, yes, I'm going to have next show like little like banner things that can go under our names. I'm going to figure out how to do this. That way we can just have like our names and then our handles and all of that stuff. All right, well, thank you, future watchers and current watchers. And I'll, I'll download this on my terribly slow computer and put it on YouTube. All right, that's the end of the show. Morose.